The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and all small businesses, and we're heard right around the world at the same time every week. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now, there's, there's no question that one of the phenomenons of today's business is the app. There's bloody apps for everything. In just five years, we have somewhere around 2 million plus apps in the market, and it's growing at around 1,500 new apps every single day. And iTunes has now reached 50 billion downloads, 50 billion. That's 50,000 million. That's a hell of a lot. Now, the vast majority of apps are free. And they're the ones that seem to do really well. Um, and uh, there's a large number at 99 cents or less. So I thought I'd look at some of the most expensive apps in the market. And I must admit, I was quite surprised that there are quite a few at $999.99. So that's $999.99 for an app. <laughs> The first of these that I wanted to mention is called VIP Black. I love the name. I think it's great. And that's known as the Millionaire's App, where users get VIP treatment from all the company's luxury partners, and there's a swag of them. But in order to be accepted for the $999 app, you first of all have to verify that your assets are above $1 million. I would reckon if you could afford to blow $999 on an app, it really shouldn't matter how much you're worth. The second app I found at $999.99 is called Yikes, which it's lets you keep track of flag football stats for all passing leagues and is made especially for the company's website. $999.99 to keep track of flag football leagues. Are they serious? God, I, I, I just, I've got to be missing something here. But I don't know. I couldn't find out how many um, that have been downloaded. But $9.99 to download flag football league information is seems kind of excessive. The third $9.99 app, it's called 
aggro. And no, it's not a way to keep track of your anger management classes. It's actually a way to help agronomists. Agronomists, that's a hard word to say. I'm probably like you in that I have never heard of an agronomist before, so I had to look it up on Google. Agronomy is the application of the various soil and plant sciences, soil management, crop production, and scientific agriculture. So now you know. So the agro takes the headache out of filing paperwork, and it keeps track of inspections, chemicals, crops, and pests on a farm. So that sounds like a pretty useful one to me. So I'll wear that one. The fourth app I found at 999 is really cool for people who trade stocks. It's called Alpha Trader. It's a global trading suite for investment pros. This app gives real-time stock prices, price alerts, portfolio risk indicators, asset correlation, asset category charts, etc., etc. Another very good practical app. The next 999.99 app I found explains why there are so many bloody awful lawyers around. It's called Bar Max CA, and it was created by a Harvard Law School alumni to help aspiring lawyers pass the California bar exam. There's more than 50 hours of audio lectures from Harvard Law School educated law professors and a ton more information to help students ace their bar exams. Not learn anything, just have the right answers to pass the exams. Paint by numbers. <laughs> Law by numbers. What the hell happens when they get into a real courtroom against Perry Mason? They're dead. After the 999.99 apps, there's a whole bunch at 499.99. For example, DDSGP. It's an app for dentists that help them show patients specific treatment plans in a neat presentation. Now, I might be a little bit cynical, but I think this is a really cool way for dentists to get patients to pay the outrageous amounts of money they charge. As I said, I may be cynical. At $399.99, you can get an app called Tap Menu, which is for people who love food, but of absolutely no imagination. This is an app that makes your menu, your book, or any other medium digitally visible and highly attractive. At $349.99, I found an absolute must-have that I think's overpriced by about a thousand percent. It's called Barcelona versus Madrid. <laughs> a game that pitches the huge rival soccer clubs against each other. The graphics are phenomenal, but can't you buy this stuff as a game for twenty nine ninety nine? Why would you pay three forty nine ninety nine? And another one that I found is BizJet Mobile, which at two forty nine ninety nine is an app that lets corporate and VIP aircraft passengers connect their iPhone, iPad to the aircraft satellite phone and their data link. So you can send emails, make phone calls and send text messages. Well, I was on Singapore Airlines the other day and you can do all of that without spending $249.99. So how's this for a frivolous app? For just $299.99, 
the water globe app enables you to play around with globes. You know, the ones you shake and they snow and whatever. So you can make them snow, change gravity, and you can also change the snowflake size. Wow. <laughs> Gee whiz. Now, this has got to be a must-have for Christmas for Grandma. If she's over 90 and senile, the water globe is your perfect Christmas present. Okay, the last one. This one's for both guys and girls, and it is a steal at just $99.99. The Sexy Fingerprint Test HD lets you find out your perfect sexy score. It can tell you the perfect time to meet members of the opposite sex, or the same sex, I guess, if that's your preference. And the app says that if you use it once a day, you can get perfect results in just 30 seconds. Wow, it cuts out all that pesky chat and buying drinks and dinner and all of that stuff on just on the off chance. This tells you whether or not you're in like Flynn. Now, every day, <laughs> I can't believe these apps. Every day, I get somewhere between 10 and 20 startups and early stage companies approaching my business about attracting investment. The first thing I say to them is that getting investors is very time consuming, takes a lot of patience and a lot of expertise in preparing the right documents that investors are interested in and not documents like business plans that talk all about your project. Now, investors get proposals for new engines, for property, for medical advances, for all sorts of technology, for apps, and all sorts of other inventions and ideas. And primarily what they are interested in is a good logical idea that makes sense, has really strong management, and an attractive risk-reward ratio. Now, I received one from a property company today, which was a 97-page business plan. Now, they're sending this out to investors or potential investors. There's no way in the world that I or any other potential investor ever going to look at it, far less read it. Now, we're in several, we're in really quite serious discussions with several investors for a, pod, for a project where my client requires $11 million dollars. And to date, the largest document we've sent out is just six pages. Sure, it took us quite a while to write those six pages and to get them precise and concise and to the point and powerful and make the project sound great and that answers all the questions that an investor's going to ask. But it does take time and it does cost money, but it needs to be brief and easy to read. Now, so you need to change the paradigm. If you're looking for investment, you need to change the paradigm. When you send something to a particular investor or you go and meet a particular investor, you're one of about maybe 50 people, maybe 100 people that are trying to get that investor's money. Therefore, the investor's got all the aces. They're in control. They're in charge. So what your first document needs to do in a concise one or two pages is capture the investor's interest so that they're seeking more information from you, not vice versa. All of a sudden, you're in the box seat. It makes a huge difference. Then you follow that up again 
after you speak to them and answer all their questions with a six or eight page document. And when they're really interested and want some really detailed information, you can send them a detailed business plan. But make sure that it's as tight and as brief as possible. Investors do not make decisions by the pound. They evaluate them by the quality. Most business plans that I see are so full of unnecessary crap that it's unbelievable. Now, I found an article in Time magazine during the week in the segment called Small Business Tip of the Day. And if you don't get Time magazine or you don't read this, I recommend that you get Time online because you get some great articles in general, but you really do get some great business articles. So Time online, get it every morning. I just get it and I flick through it and just look at the things that I want to look at. And it's got some very cool stuff in it. Now, this article's called Calling All Angels. And it says, quote, Angel investors are all the rage, highly sought after and decidedly picky. Every startup business in the world wants money, and that means that investors that you want to invest in, your extraordinary one-of-a-kind, you have to see it to believe it, the next billion-dollar business that you're out flogging, you've got a hell of, they've got a hell of a lot of alternatives to choose from that are all extraordinary, one-of-a-kind. You have to see it to believe it, billion-dollar businesses. And most of them are worth about three and six. And why do you think you have your presentation down pat and very slick? Most people say, geez, I've got a great presentation. Trust me, you really do need professional advice if you're to have a chance in hell of getting investment unless you are really well connected. According to Time, there are five ways to attract and keep an investor's attention. Firstly, you need to connect with them. Do not overlook the emotional aspect of raising money. More important than your facts and figures annual and your fantastic idea. The first thing you need to build is a relationship and you need to show a strong passion for your company. The second thing you need to do is understand your customer because it's not all about your sensational invention. It is about your two, what your two customers want. Now, one customer is the investor, and it's amazing how many entrepreneurs come out of a meeting with an investor not having a clue what the investor really wants. Secondly, you have to clearly demonstrate that your potential customers, i.e. the people who are going to buy this stuff that you make, really want what you're offering. It's all right to say they want it, prove they want it. Now, this brings me to the third thing you need to do. You must study your customer's behavior. Once you understand the behavior, you must ask yourself, does your new product or service enhance these behaviors? If what you offer doesn't provide a compelling reason to buy it, investors will not buy from you. The fourth way to get to the investor's attention is to assure them that you have an excellent team in place to drive the business forward. 
And this is where a lot of people fall down. They want to go into the swimming pool business and the most experience they've had in a swimming pool business is working in a dress shop in some suburb somewhere. You ain't going to get money. And lastly, invent. investors want to know that you're prepared to pivot when necessary. When you see the marketplace evolving or you're just missing the mark, you need to be able to pivot. If you do all these things, you'll increase your chances of getting investment dramatically. Now, don't forget, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show is all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that's looking for tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for, wholly and solely. This show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question... Please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we'll email you directly. You're listening to the number one radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. And while 85% of our listening audience is in the United States, we have listeners right across the globe. So no matter where you are, no matter where in the world, we thank you for listening. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been discussing predictions for the future and how quickly technology will change the world of business, education, government infrastructure, health, and every other aspect of life today. We have had a great response from you, and so my guest today is Craig Rispin, who is one of the most successful and well-known futurists and innovation experts in the world. He has over 20 years' experience working where the future is being created with clients who consist of some of the most innovative companies in the world in the IT, consumer electronics, internet, and broadcasting industries. So this is Bob Pritchard, and you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice American Business, and I will be back with Craig in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we interview people who have achieved great things and who are making a real difference to the world of business. Over the past few weeks, I've discussed on this program um, a number of the predictions made by the Singularity University in California, of which I'm a huge fan, uh, about the year 2030. Some of those predictions are extremely dramatic. There's no question that being forewarned is being forearmed and that if you understand what will happen in the community in general and your industry in particular, then you can have, it'll influence the decisions you make and give you an advantage over your competition. I've also spoken to you on this program about Elance, which I use extremely frequently. And my guest today is the guy who introduced me to Elance while we're on a plane coming back from a conference that we'd both done. And Craig Rispin is a business futurist and an innovation expert and he knew then, all that long ago, that I would need Elance in my future. See, he's a futurist already. That is how good this guy is. Seriously, though, Craig's expertise is in forecasting emerging business, people and technology trends, and then determining how companies can profit from them. He's got over 20 years' experience working where the future has been created, with some of the most innovative companies in the world in the IT, consumer electronics, internet and broadcasting industries. He's consulted with CEOs of leading companies worldwide, including BHP Billiton, Canon, IBM, Kimberly Clark, Symantec, Toyota, YPO, and hundreds and hundreds of other organisations. He's an award-winning speaker. He's a great speaker. He's an award-winning speaker and has addressed audiences on five continents, and he shows clients how to know first, be first, and profit first, which is what we all try to do. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It's good to talk to you again, mate. Great to talk to you, Bob. Remember, that was a long time ago, that plane ride. <laughs> that was a long time ago, and I haven't aged a minute. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a person on the planet today who will live forever, according to the Singularity University. I love Singularity University. I think they're extraordinary. <laughs> no, that's not possible. But we are extending human life in the developed world. We're extending it uh, a year every year now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's almost, yeah. <laughs> you know, would you like to live forever, Bob? No, not really. Oh. I, I wouldn't have enough room on my face for the lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if uh, you, they just re replaced your face? But that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to um, I went to a, a chat with um, Salim about a month or so ago, and he said that um, all of the org all of the structures as we know it, whether it be government or health or or um, corporate um, education. None of those can survive past another 10 years because they're all old school and that um, uh, we will have a totally different structure of almost everything on the planet and it's not that far away. So that's really interesting. Um, I had a, a professor from George, uh, from George Washington University on the phone um, about a week ago and I said to them that uh, Singularity predicts that 
90% of all universities in the world will be gone in 10 years and that everybody will be learning online. And they actually agreed with me. So, you know, when you think about that, that's going to send sort of shockwaves through the whole community. It will. It will. Okay, let me start off with a really simple question. What the hell is a futurist? And, <laughs> and how did you become one? I mean, how did you wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a futurist? No, that's not how it worked. But uh, first, I just, you know, don't want people to think that futurists are these lofty people. You know, and and uh, I just like to say that futurists are just reverse historians. Historians study the past, and we study the future. Okay. And they say the benefit to society is making better decisions from the past. And I say, well, why don't we study the future so we can make better decisions? We've got to be looking forward, especially in business. Absolutely. Yeah, and how I fell into it was my great uncle introduced me when I was just 10 years old to a great futurist who changed my life through a very short conversation. And that great futurist was Arthur C. Clarke. Uh-huh. Okay. And a lot of people know Arthur C. Clarke yep. for being the writer of Space Odyssey 2001. Yeah, that's but right. he was also the inventor of the uh, communication satellite. Oh, really? Yes. I, I didn't know that. The reason we're talking right now through a communication satellite was his idea, a geosynchronous satellite satellite that orbits at the same speed that the, that the Earth is rotating. That was his idea, and that's why they say that geosynchronous orbit is now renamed in his honor. It's called the Clark Orbit. Oh, great. Uh, so is there serious research involved in being a futurist, or you just guess? No, there's serious research, and there's the forecasting. So it's, it's the hard stuff and the soft stuff. It's both. Right. So there are literally hundreds of techniques that uh, the community have developed over years, and some of them you would be familiar with, so you will be familiar with scenario planning, yep. and scenario planning was invented by the futurist community, and there's some really geeky ones, uh, a, a good uh, a futurist from Australia invented, so he invented a... Um, a, a causal layer analysis, CLA for short, sure. and it's used by by futurists all around the world. And then you have the, you know, let's just have a conversation. What could the future be? And I think that's the benefit that futurists bring to business primarily is asking the question, you know, what could be our most, you know, our preferable scenario? Where do we want the world to be, or are we just going to let it happen to us? Are we going to let just, you know, if everything's going to be up in the air with everything being rebooted, universities, every structure, banks, everything, then well, what do we want it to be on the other side? Is yeah. The question. yeah. Do we have any influence on that, though? Isn't, um, aren't the forces, the, the more I get involved in, um, you know, I think since I moved to, LA and I, I mix in a totally different sort of circle of level of people, if you like. The more of the powerful people that I meet, the more I believe that everything's stacked against the little guy. The big guys just make the decisions and they determine what the hell's going to happen and they make it happen because they've got the muscle and the contacts and the money. Well, that's just ridiculous. 
I'd and I give you some research why. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's not how things are going right now, and I can give you some great research around that. Uh, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you an example that uh, we've been looking at some new research, how customers, and think about this for yourself as a customer, um, are you, Bob, attracted to a new young brand that just run into that you think is really interesting, or are you more attracted to an old brand? I'm more attracted to a new brand. Ah, and you're a marketing guy. Yeah. Hold on a second here. What is brand marketing? It's the, you know, these old guys trying to do brand marketing, and all, there's this worldwide shift towards customers being more attracted to new brands. Yeah, for so that ten- doesn't help the incumbents at all, does it? No, I don't think it, I, I don't think it does, and I think, that's why I'm not necessarily talking about the incumbents making the decisions. I'm talking about the guys with the power who are involved across across a wide range of things. I mean, my first book ten years ago said that brand brand awareness is worth absolutely zero. Kodak at 100% brand awareness. Where are they? Broke. There's I can I can name you 50 companies that had 100% brand awareness that are all gone. So there's obviously a lot more to that than just awareness of brand. It's brand equity that's important. Yeah, and, and but that's part of it. Brand is part of it, certainly. Yeah. But also, let's talk about the, the money side of things as well. So let's say the people have the power. They might have the brand. They might have the, the power in terms of money. And that's, that's changing all the time now, where you've got these young startups that are, you know, two people and a laptop and the Amazon cloud, and they create a business that is a billion-dollar business. True. And, uh, and some of them go through traditional structures. They go through venture capital, but more and more of them are just trading on the income that they get from developing an app. And, uh, yeah, some of them have built some su- surprisingly, you know, Several hundred million dollar businesses, or were in some of them are billionaires, and some of them you haven't even heard of, Bob. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and they didn't go through the traditional, you know, the, the the traditional power plays. They're disrupting the traditional power plays. No, that's true. And I love it. I love those. I call it the disruptors. That's who I like to play with. Yeah, I I know quite a few of the guys that. Um um, started off with very little and now have a billion dollars. Um, but um, most of them, in fact, all of them that I can think of, all initially got their money through traditional sources, but have certainly developed since then. But then surprisingly, they then invest their money a lot less traditionally than um, than has happened in the past. Mm. Now... I know that you know most of your customers are CEOs and, and owners. So how do you help them to be more competitive and more successful? Well, we I've done lots of surveys about their staff, asking their employees. You know, what do you? What are the traits? What are the skills that you want your CEO to show? And I've been doing these surveys for years. I've surveyed tens of thousands of employees. And funnily enough, one of the top traits, usually number one, is vision. That right. the CEO needs to be a visionary. Sure. 
And so I have these conversations with CEOs all the time, and I go, hey, how's your vision? How's that thing going? (laughs) (laughs) And and I know why you're chuckling is that most of them go, hmm, uh, I need some help with that. (laughs) Exactly. And that's that's our business. The futurist business is foresight. And so I just bring some of the tools that we've been developing for decades and share them with my CEOs, and they're able – to paint a picture with words of what the future looks like for their employees. If you can do it with your customers as well, it's one of the best sales techniques is to paint a picture of what their future state would look like so they can be part of it. It's one of the most successful sales presentation tools is, you know, paint a picture of what their future is going to look like. Absolutely. Right. And so this this is how futurists and myself... You know, we help businesses, you know, paint a picture for the future that people can be part of. And it's especially important with when these disruptive startups. And it's also for these businesses that are trying to remake themselves. How do you, how do you foresee the extraordinary? I mean, uh, well, things that to me are extraordinary may not be extraordinary to you, of course, but, um, sort of demonstration, um, of, a human ear being printed out of a 3D printer using live cells and it printed a live human ear which was then attached to a person and it was <laughs> a living, growing ear. Now, that to me was quite extraordinary. How do you... And that that technology is going to absolutely disrupt the medical profession, something fierce. How do you predict those sorts of things that are you know, like almost Star Wars, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and that's what I say. I say, don't laugh, but if you want to think more like a futurist, you got to read more science fiction. you got to watch more science fiction. Yeah, that's <laughs> because true. Because science fiction, Arthur C. Clarke told me, you know, it has a purpose. Yep. And the purpose of science fiction is to prepare people for the future. Yeah. That it's, you know, inevitable. This is going to happen and it's just a matter of time, effort, engineering. We're going to get there, and it's all happening. And all, you know, people come to me and they say all the time, Bob, they say, oh, I'm just being overwhelmed by all this change. How do you, you know, it's your business. You're involved with it. Things are changing so rapidly. How do you cope? How do you cope? And I say, how do I cope? I've been waiting for 20 years for this to happen. <laughs> you know? I mean, my friends, we get together, the World Future Society, we have 25,000 members, and these members all get together, and we have these fantastic conversations about what the future could be. And for, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years, We've been having these conversations about printing organs on demand, but it was in science fiction, you know, over 100 years ago. Yeah. One thing that strikes me, it does make you realize just how extraordinary Da Vinci was, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Your expertise is in business, people, and technology trends. So what are some of the major trends in each of these areas that our listeners, who are predominantly entrepreneurs, um, should be out there looking for? Sure. Well, let's start with technology. Okay. Yeah. So technology is getting faster, we know, and it's getting smaller, but people don't realize how small it is. Technology is so small that we will happily ingest it in the not-too-distant future. 
I mean, inhale it or swallow it. So there are computer chips now that are so small that the individual traces, the little transistors that are on the chips, yep. do you know how small they are now, Bob? I, I do, actually. Yeah, you probably heard they're smaller <laughs> than viruses. Yes. Yeah, so somebody was thinking about this. Why don't we embed one of these chips in a pill, you know, your medicine? Let's put it in a pill. And then if you forget to take your pills, your phone texts you saying, hey, you forgot to take your pill. Yeah. Well, they, they, are, they are doing that, aren't they? they aren't they um, already yeah. well, either that or they're injecting them into the body? They are, but you can swallow it. It gets into your bloodstream because it's so small. Mm. So then they can detect the chip in your bloodstream. You put a, a big Band-Aid on your wrist. And basically, it, it senses those chips going through your bloodstream. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I was presenting this to one of the world's largest drug companies. Mm. And they're a German drug company. And uh, they, they developed some incredible life-saving uh, drugs. And I have to tell you, I showed them this new uh, technology and got a standing ovation. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> this is fantastic. We can electronically connect to our customers because, you know, one of the biggest problems why we have uh, patients dying is they forget to take their pills. Yeah. And uh, this is fantastic. This is exactly what we need. And their salespeople were really happy. <laughs> one, one, one thing that concerns me, I, I, I understand that we will we will be able to absorb all this stuff more and more. But going back to singularity just for a minute, um, Salim was saying that uh, we're in the middle of a... Well, we're in a technological revolution, but we're less than 1% in. And for us to get 100% in, it will take 15 years. 15 years will be 100% in. So if you have a look at all the extraordinary technology developments over the last, let's just say, five years, and then you multiply that by a hundred in just a short period of time, are we going to be able to cope with all these cha all this change? I mean, that's the reason they reckon everything's going to break down. All the existing um, um, infrastructure is going to break down. But how do how do we cope with that level of change? Well, this is my opinion, and I it's shared by many futurists mem members. The, the staff at the Singularity University, members of the World Future Society, that if we don't have that incredible, radical, exponential change, that we're not going to be able to solve all the problems we have in the world. Yeah. We're not going to be able to feed everyone. We're not going to be able to provide energy for everyone. We're not going to have clean water for everyone. We're not going to be able to educate everyone. We, you know, we're going through massive change and we've got massive problems. True. We need to direct that massive change to solve the world's problems. Okay. And if you, if you, you know, there's many people there going, the Singularity University, they don't realize you can watch, you can become a member for not very much money and watch all the, all the lectures. Yeah, and I love And immerse it. yourself in this thinking. And that's what they're doing there at the Singularity University is they're trying to solve the world's biggest problems. It's amazing. They directed the conversation of let's not just have this change happen to us. Let's be part of it. Let's be the change. Yeah. And let's direct it toward some of the world's biggest problems. So your expertise in business, people, technology. Okay, we've covered technology. Let's talk about people. 
People, what's, yeah. What's the, what are the trends? Well, there's all sorts of people trends. Well, let's talk about the two areas that I study. I study internal people, and we've already discussed workforce. Yeah. Those are internal people. Yeah. Yeah, and then outside the business, the people outside the business are the customers. And right now, I've been commissioned to study how staff behave differently when they don't have a permanent desk. Because one of my customers yeah. in Sydney, they had 7,000 people in a building, and they moved them into a building that only had 4,000 desks. Yep. Now, th this hot desking has been around for a long time, but it's yep. changing businesses significantly because they've said to their workers, you're not going to have a, a permanent desk. You walk in, you go to a concierge. They have a concierge yep. in their office space, and they say, okay, here's your MacBook Air, and your affinity group is working over in this area today. Yep. Go to area 45 over there. Yeah. And this has really changed the way that they work. They haven't... They thought that this was going to spur creativity and collaboration, and it has, but it's had all sorts of other impacts as well. And I don't have a lot of time to go into it yeah. here today, but there's a big difference. And they're saying to these, to these employees, you're not going to have a permanent desk. And the reason for this is you're going to eventually sit across from someone that's going to be able to share an idea with you. Yep. that you wouldn't have had if you sat in your department for most of your career. Yeah, Chai Day did this in Lo in Los Angeles about ten years ago, and they they well, would have people. It was more than it was more than ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, probably was. Probably was. <laughs> it was twenty five years ago. <laughs> and they had people sitting on in stairwells and all sorts of things, and it worked for a while. And it then, did, and then it didn't. Yeah, but they missed out on this third place. So, um, so right now this customer is asking me to, to analyze what's going on with their staff, but it's affecting business as well. So related to a business trend, it's related to this worldwide trend of co-working. This is especially important for entrepreneurs and small business people that might be listening. So co-working is a business trend, and it's where small business uh, owners and, and entrepreneurs they come together in this third place. So it's not the office. It's not home. It's this third place where people come together. They don't have a permanent desk, and the, it's a learning environment. And these co-working spaces, some that are in Silicon Valley, have spurred some of the biggest startups in history. Mm. And they, they connect them to venture capital. They provide learning, and they have this co-working space. And the yeah. number of co-working spaces have been doubling every 12 months. Yeah, and this it. year will be up to about 4,000 co-working spaces. And I'm on the board of directors of a couple of these co-working spaces. And the biggest companies in Australia, one that I'm involved with here on the Gold Coast in Australia, they, they know that their traditional structures are, take, are being torn down. So they're saying, hey, we think this co-working thing is the future of business. We want to be involved. Can you help us? Right. No, I, I, I agree, and I'm familiar with quite a few co-working spaces myself. Mate, we, we're going to run out of time shortly, but what I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to um, organise another interview with you because I think this is really a very important subject that we should, um, that we should pursue further. But let's... Um, you've described m mobile madness... Yeah, mobile madness. Let's, let's finish on that note, and we'll, yeah. take, we'll take up again with that when I talk to you again, but, um, okay, how should I, how big is it, and how should we respond? 
Okay, it's really simple, and I can give it to you in two sentences. Two sentences. Okay. First of all, just think about this. Think about how much the internet has changed business just in the last fifteen years. Yep. Mobiles, mobile internet, is an order of magnitude bigger. Order of magnitude bigger. I agree. Yep. And it's already happening. So give you uh, an idea that when I was in the computer business, we thought we were doing really well if we sold 100 million computers. Yes. Well, we're already at 6 billion mobiles. Yes, and it's, it, mobile advertising has overtaken um, traditional uh, desktop-type computers dramatically. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about mobiles. It is, and right now, most of those mobiles in the world, especially in the developing world, it's the first computer that they've ever had their hands on. True. They've skipped over desktops and lap- laptops, yep. and there are, there's a, a, a smartphone being sold in China right now that isn't as good as your iPhone or the new Samsung Galaxy 4, but it's only $29. Sure. Yeah, and but, this is going to be changing the world. So we've got mobile health, we've got mobile investing, we've got banks that are based on mobiles, and so banks, you know, don't, well, you don't need branches because we've got banks uh, that are happening, you know, in the developing world just on mobiles, just yep. with stored value. But right. anyway, there's in the, I will do a lot of work in the not-for-profit sector, and one of the leaders in that sector told me, Craig, when people say, hey, what about all these mobiles when people don't even have enough clean drinking water? He said, you tell them, Craig, mobile technology has probably lifted 400 million people out of poverty. Craig, thank you. I'm going to have you back on the show in a couple of weeks, which is unusual. You'll be the first guest we've ever had twice. I can't schedule you next week, but I can the week after. So I will be back in touch with you shortly. Thanks very much for being on the program. It's been great to speak to you again. It's been a while. Now, if you'd like to know more about Craig, go to futuretrendsgroup.com. That's futuretrendsgroup.com. And listen again in two weeks and we'll have more of Craig on this program. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We are heard all around the world at the same time this week, each week, and I'll be back with you in just a moment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Radio Show. Coming to you every week from my hometown of Los Angeles, the City of Angels. One of the great cities of the world. It's interesting listening to um, to Craig and to the comments that were made by uh, the predictions that were made by Salim from Singularity University. I think we are in for a hell of a ride over the next 10 or 15 years. And uh, I don't know about you, 
I am really looking forward to it. I think particularly in the areas of medicine, there are going to be extraordinary changes and uh, and also with feeding people. So getting away from business for a minute, just on the um, things that are good for the planet in general, I think the next 15 years are going to be very exciting. As you've heard, this uh, program's heard all around the world and uh, we've got listeners in a whole bunch of countries. We get emails from everywhere on the planet. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate your support. Now, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world. And this week's first email comes from Alexander McCaffrey from Raleigh, North Carolina. And Alexander's email says, Bob, great show. There's really nothing else like it on the air that I can find. Have you thought about a television show with a similar format, news, interviews, and answering listeners' questions? I think it would be a huge success. Alexander, so do I. I'm just sitting here now waiting for the phone to ring. (laughs) Bob, I have a retail store and I'm considering mobile marketing. I'm not really quite sure what the benefits are. Can you explain for me? Alexander, firstly, from a shopper's perspective, mobile empowers shoppers through personalised recommendations and you can also reward use through loyalty points, promotions, um, advanced information on specials, all that sort of thing. From the retailer's perspective, Google finds that 53% of shoppers use their smartphones in store to make price comparisons and over 90% use their phone for pre-shopping research. So people before they go and shop will use their smartphones to um, ascertain where things are on sale, prices, that sort of stuff. So what you need to know is that for shoppers, mobile means much better customer service. Your salesperson's tablet can be alerted when a customer's in store, giving the salesperson pointers on how to customise the shopping experience for that specific person. It brings information right to their fingertips. For your retail outlet, frequent mobile users actually end up buying 25 to 50% more in-store. So this shows clearly how you need to better embrace that smartphone shopper. The more effort you put into satisfying the smartphone shopper, providing information, making life easy for them, the more you're going to sell in store. For example, say Foursquare pushes a promotion during peak allergy season while you're shopping at Walgreens, or Avita uses Passbook to send styling videos before your next sell-on appointment. Imagine if Hallmark knows it's your mum's birthday and invites you to to its kiosk with a personal gift recommendation. You know, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? You'd appreciate it and you would end up rewarding the store for doing it. Alexander, next generation shoppers, they're informed and they're holding your brand loyalty right in their hot little hands. So if you want to be successful in retail, you have to be fully conversant and prepared for this new way of doing business. Phone, smartphone, improving customer service and using them to build customer loyalty. 
I mean, it's really quite simple to do, but you have to want to do it and you have to dedicate time to it. Alexander, tomorrow we'll send you a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. I think you'll find it's a great read and it gives you a lot of perspective on how to deliver great marketing, even if I do say so myself. Now, each week we try to bring you emails from listeners around the world also, and I'd like to give women listeners also equal opportunity because one of the fastest growths in business are female entrepreneurs, and they're doing really well. So my second email today comes from Magda Schneider from Berlin in Germany. Magda writes, I really enjoy your show, although we get it in the middle of the night, so we listen to it at lunchtime the next day in the office. We work for GWA, I think that's right, and everyone here in the office loves the show. This prompted us to write to you an email about how we can reduce the number of emails that we get in the office. Magda and the team from GWA, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I was a bit slack. I should have looked up to see what you did and how big a company you were, but I didn't get around to it. But I do appreciate you listening. Email overload is a huge problem for everybody. You know, it's been estimated that the you'll love this number. The average employee wastes 73 days a year on email. That's 15 weeks a year wasted on email. That's one and a half days every week gone. (laughs) And so emails alone could be costing the average company $20,000 per employee per year. And I've read a lot of articles about companies that have um, restricted email use or companies that where you check your emails from 9 till 9.30 and from 1 till 1.30 and then from 5 till 5.30 and productivity has increased significantly. Now, there's a service called SaneBox and this can go a long way towards solving your problem and they charge you a monthly fee. SaneBox is a web-based app. It scans your inbox and determines what messages are important to you based on your reading habits. Now, messages that you're not going to open straight away are filtered into a separate folder. Now, we've been using SaneBox for a couple of weeks and the inbox has already gone down from over 2,500 messages to 300. So... What's great about it is that you don't have to do anything after you set it all up. The robots scan your inbox from the cloud and determine what's important and what's not. The software determines what topics you're likely to read. The less important emails are then filtered into a sane later box for you to process when you get round to it. The more you use SaneBox, the better you can train it to know exactly which emails are important to you. Another great feature of SaneBox is one called SaneBot Black Hole, Sane Black Hole, which lets you immediately unsubscribe from any emails you get by blacklisting those email addresses instantly, immediately. And it works with most email services like Gmail and Yahoo, 
And after it scans your inbox, you just access your services just like normal. Magna, I hope that's a help to you. Because you're emailing on behalf of yourself and your colleagues at GWA, I hope I'm saying that right, we will send you not one, but three autographed copies of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and we hope that you and your workmates really enjoy it, and I hope you keep listening. Let me remind you of a couple of things. Um, if you've missed any of the shows that we've brought you since 2011, then you can go to Voice America Business Archives and listen to any of these shows, or preferably, of course, all of the shows, and listen to literally hundreds of great interviews with the top movers and shakers in America and around the world. I'm actually thinking of putting all those interviews out on a series of CDs, which I think would be very valuable information for a lot of people. I'll let you know when and if I get around to it. Um, my third email today comes from Jenny Gottliebson from Boston, Massachusetts. Jenny writes, great show, Bob, keep up the good work. I'm a salesperson. I wonder if you've got any tips for me on how to get more sales. Well, Jenny, thanks for emailing your compliments. I really appreciate them. I'm running out of time in the program, but I came across an article during the week which has some interesting advice in it. It said that the most successful photocopier salesmen don't pitch price, speed, or performance. They focused on stability, security, and how quiet the machine was. So they aimed their presentations directly at the pain points experienced by the purchaser. And the article suggests the same approach and strategy works in any sales situation. Um, it says um, that you need to remember five basic propositions. Now, what I'll do, I'll go into those five basic propositions next week because I've, I've run out of time today, unfortunately. But, um, Jenny, I will send you out a copy of a book that I wrote along with Brian Tracy and Jay Conrad Levinson. It's called Marketing Magic. We'll send it to you tomorrow and we'll finish your email next week. But if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please go tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus and make me your friend on LinkedIn. I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's a heap of fun bringing it to you every week and no matter where you are in the world, we'll address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard on Voice America Business and I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.